This is a Hot Pie Original. But let's start with one thing. Okay. I have a sign. I've always said this. Don't panic, punt. And it's, right now it's in it's in our little, uh, one of the little offices at one of our commissary kitchens. It's a whole 10-foot wall. Don't panic, hunt. I've said that forever. I don't know where it started, except for the fact that as a as a caterer and even as someone in the food service, and I know that some people are listening to you or, or you know, they're not in food service, but they be another kind of service business. And it's like, if the client is coming through the door at seven o'clock and your beef tenderloin fell in the mud, you can <laughs> scream all you want, but you had better have some food there and a beef at seven o'clock when they walk through the door because they're coming anyway. Sandy Corm is a nurse that has built a multi-million dollar catering and food manufacturing company, The Festive Kitchen. And by the way, she's my mom. In this episode, we discuss performing under pressure, scaling, and the secrets to being profitable. On the special Mother's Day episode, my mom lets you in on how she pivoted and thrived during the 08 recession, the COVID-19 pandemic, and how her company navigated a massive egg recall that could have completely sunk her business. This was a fun podcast for me as I honestly learned a lot of things about her that I just never really knew. If you're an entrepreneur that has a big, hairy, audacious goal, this is definitely the podcast for you. If you're looking for information and resources to improve your health, well-being, and performance, then sign up for my free high-performance newsletter, Adaptation. Just go to www.ericcorum.com and sign up now. This newsletter is my effort to bring zero cost, high-performance resources and tools to anybody with a desire to improve. But now, let's lean in and learn from the best. Well, good morning, Mom. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, Eric. Glad to be here. Well, let's get off to a fast start here. You have an amazing story to tell. How did you go from a registered Mm. nurse with no formal culinary training to running a multi-million dollar catering and food manufacturing company? Well, it, I would just say resiliency and just pressing on because I definitely didn't have the skills. I I had talent. I could cook. I could host uh, great hospitality skills. But uh, I made a lot of mistakes along the way and really didn't, uh, you know, kick butt, like I would say, in business until probably 15 years ago. But you know what? Once you have a dream and you want to do it and you just keep on doing it, then, then you know, just be, I don't know what else to say, just persistence. That was it. So you didn't start kicking butt in business until 15 years ago. That was 15 years into your business. I, I, yes. Did you ever want to quit? Yes. Yes, but let me tell you, when I say that 15 years that we started, it's like I wasn't doing much, Eric. I mean, come on. You know, uh, I wasn't doing full time. I wasn't doing, it was almost like, as as they say on Shark Tank, it was a hobby. You know what I mean? I just didn't have a vision and I didn't know what to do. And then finally I went, you know what? There really is a need for what I'm doing and I know I can do it really well. And so, 
you know, that's when I really started, uh, multi, you know, doing much better and being very, very um, profitable in, in the business. So it started mm-hmm. with cooking brownies for a hamburger shop. Why don't you talk about that? Yes. Okay, I decided through a friend of ours that she kept saying, Sandy, you ought to be in the catering business. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know anything about catering. And so I said, okay, well, whatever, I'll give it a whirl. And so I went to a restaurant supply house to buy some pans or something, saw a friend who owned a restaurant. He said, what are you doing here? And I said, I think I'm going to be a caterer. He said, well, why don't you start baking brownies for me? So I baked brownies for a hamburger joint, which you know, all, I mean, for brownie after brownie after brownie every day, every day, every day. And um, I just uh, kept doing that until one day somebody called me and said, let's schedule you for a party and said, I heard you're a caterer. And I'm like, absolutely. And I've never catered anything in my life. So the first party was for a hundred people. Um, I was all the staff, wait staff, uh, kitchen staff. I set it up. I hauled the food. I cooked the food. Um, and I like to say that, uh, I, I didn't even know what you wear. I had a flower dress on. I mean, I was so unprofessional. I filled her laundry room with food. At the end, there was still a full laundry room full of food because I didn't know what I was doing. I charged her $4 a person, including tax. And so I I went, oh, well, that was a lot of effort for nothing. But, you know, I just taught myself (laughs) along the way and happened to come come in contact with a lot of people who helped. So it's perseverance. That's all. That is really interesting. Um, That's a long way away from cooking for former president of the United States and dignitaries and superstar (laughs) athletes and Hollywood movie stars. Um, Let's talk about how you started to build a cage, like a true. I think you said you worked for a number of years calling yourself a caterer without ever doing an event. Then you do an event. Like, when did, like, how did you start actually building a company where you could actually start doing these events over and over again and actually be profitable? Like, what, when did you start being profitable? Okay. I met someone. Okay. I happened to, I, I, I had a wedding. Then I saw a book that said uh, about uh, weddings and who was your caterer and who was your DJ and all that kind of stuff. So I thought, hmm, I just ought to have people write in after after they've hired me and I'll get in this book. And I did. And so then through that, I met an event planner that you know, Gail Sliger. Yeah. And I had a large event, a wedding down at the Hall of State, which we always called the Hall of State <laughs> because it was such a pain to cater there. And she saw our food and said, hmm, you have really good, uh, we always call it recognizable food. It's something that you don't look at your plate and go, what is this? And she started recommending me for things. And that's how the the high-end event started. And then we took off from there. Because once you do a, a wedding for, you know, Angie Harmon's first wedding, once you do something like that, Troy Aikman, whatever, it, it, it expands. Hmm. And so that took off. But I still wasn't profitable. Seriously? I, I, uh, <laughs> seriously. You, a caterer is like this. You know, they have their money through Friday, and then boom, they met, they have money in the bank on the weekend, and then boom, it crashes because you're event-driven. Okay. And so I thought, man, yeah, I got I to gotta diversify. 
And so that's why I think it was, I wrote down here, it was like in 2009, I decided to become systemized in that everything that we did was, uh, we had a system for it. Um, and I noticed that a lot of my clients started asking me for some food that they had at an event. And so I thought, hmm, I'll open up a food shop. Oh, it was really smart. We were open 10 to 2, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I mean, come on, that's dumb. Nobody can come at 10 to 2. (laughs) Who would remember? So so anyway, I, I, I started making cookie dough balls, which I didn't really have a good recipe for chocolate chip cookie dough balls. Now it's our number one seller. We've made 10 million cookie dough balls now. Um... And so I thought I had the forethought of saying these women in this area of town are not going to come to me way out 20 minutes away. Mm -hmm. So I better go to them. So I opened up a little shop that, you know, uh, down in Snyder Plaza. And that really solidified things because they'd come in, buy our food and go, hey, by the way, we cater. So they sold, they, they ping ponged off of each other. That's how we got all of that, that kind of, uh, that kind of business. So it really, it grew from there, but we were systemized and thank goodness for that because, um, in 2010, I was the most affected small business owner in the United States by the largest egg recall in the United States ever. And Mm. we had 6,000, six tons of product that was handcrafted in storage that they said probably was contaminated. So we had to remake all of that in five weeks time. So we didn't lay off anybody. We didn't, um, uh, we had to keep all that in storage and uh, the systems paid off because I knew where every egg was in each batch of cookie dough or whatever. So system saved me then. So you went to the 08 recession how did how did you come out of that? Yes. We did really well. And the reason for that is we were diversified because uh, whenever you have a recession, what's going to die off things, the catering is you're in the catering world. It's going to, it's going to tank, especially corporate catering. But we had, um, we had our food shops. We weren't even down at all. Hmm. Uh, we had some catering, but not a lot. But after that is when I started doing niche catering, which you were a little bit of a part of. We started doing things with NCAA football and people, no one even, I mean, come on, me working with coaches, give me a break. Yeah. If you look at the, if you look at the balls, if you look at the balls behind you, there's Bob Stoops and Cliff Kingsbury signing you balls saying, Hey, you did such a great job. So you were doing catering for training camps. Yes. Yes. And then that evolved into training table with SMU, Mm. you know, so I started doing catering that the big guys did Mm. culinaire, Sodexo, all those guys. Mm. So I, I had systems and I diversified and that was our saving. That was our saving grace, but I kept diversifying. So So, when uh, the egg, that that really helped. So Mm -hmm. when the egg recall happened, you had already gone through the 08 recession and figured out a way to to not just like make it but to actually thrive so when the egg recall happened did you kind of lean back on that experience and say okay i've been through something really really hard before 
I know that we can make this or, or was it just like, okay, I'm just pivoting. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Be, because it, you, I thought, well, if we made it through one, we can make it through another, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we realized that, yeah, we had all the info the attorneys needed. And so, uh, you know, I've never had to sue anybody, not going into all that, but the little lady made the big guys pay on that. One, so. <laughs> <laughs> so when you decided to, when you decided to scale and you were like, okay, we're really going to build this thing up and I want to be profitable and I really want to make this into something. You've told me before that duplicating yourself is critical so that you can work on it and mm-hmm. not in it. How did you do that? Well, you had to, I had to let go and I could, even though the recipes are all mine, I had to, had to let go and let someone else produce it. I had to let go and let someone else sell it because if not, if you you can't, you can't duplicate yourself and, and, and multiply it, like you Mm. just said. Um, so, and I've known some companies have gone under, uh, especially a cake person that I knew because she could never let anyone not even make the roses on the cake. So if you can't mm-hmm. divert, if you can't let somebody else be in control, but here's the key, you got to inspect what you expect. Mm-hmm. So you can give them the rules, do this, do this, do this, but you've got to inspect what they do. That doesn't mean you micromanage them in my world. I don't want to do that, but you've got to inspect, uh, inspect what you expect. And and that really, that really uh, helped me out a lot. So how do you do that? Do you like now, do you still come back and walk to the shop or shops, multiple locations and get down on the, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause you're, you're at a 30,000 foot view. And then do you kind of get down there and be like, show them like, or go look at like, Hey, I'm going to pull this random thing off the shelf at central market. Or I'm going to pull this random thing out of the freezer, taste it, cook it. Is that the kind of stuff you're doing? Quality control? Yes. And also another thing, yes, it's quality control. But another thing is we have a system that nothing goes out like a, a proposals for catering. Nothing goes out without this profit generator. And so we know to the penny what we're going to make. Let me tell you something in the food world that is unheard of. Mm. Because in the food world, what everyone does is like even restaurant owners is they go, well, the guy down the street, he's charging $9.50 for this. So I'm going to charge $9.55. Well, how do you know he's profitable? Okay. Forget him. You know, you've got to know what your profit is to the penny. And also, you've got to say no. And people go, what? turn business down. Yes. But if it's not profitable, turn it, turn it down. So yes, I look at things, uh, from a 30,000, uh, foot level. Uh, I go in, I'll go, that asparagus doesn't really right. And what's funny now is that they don't even think I can cook. They're like, well, I don't see her much. She doesn't even, you know, so it's a different perspective. But another thing that I do is I go and wash dishes. And so I, I, I'll go and stand by the dishwasher and I wash dishes. Why is that? Because I'm not any better than anybody else. Hmm. And also it shows the dishwasher. I appreciate her, but it also shows that, yeah, listen, I did start. Some of them don't even know that they think I started the business. They don't even know when you have Hmm. 47 employees and that's not huge compared to others, but it's like they, they just, they lose. They don't, they don't, because they didn't know you in the beginning. So they don't, they don't know where you came from. 
So I think you have to be, uh, you, you really have to show them that number one, that you're paying attention to what they're doing, but then you've got to have the people that can do that for you because of one more thing. Mm-hmm. I always had the hit by a truck, a theme. <laughs> and I've used that. You're looking at me like, what in the heck is she talking about? What would happen to you tomorrow, Eric, if you were hit by a truck for your podcast? Okay. What would happen to uh, my GM if she was hit by a truck? Well, you've got to have a backup plan. And let me tell you, that's really good with employees because sometimes employees get a little bit like I'm the only one that can do this job. And so what I always tell them is it's very easy to go in and say, okay, Jody, if you're hit by a truck tomorrow, who's taking your place? Well, it takes them out of the realm of thinking of themselves and go, oh my gosh, somebody would have to have my job. Mm So that's another one of my little mottos. Uh, you know, what, what tomorrow, what would happen if you were hit by a truck? You know, it's funny. I went on your website. I, you know, I haven't been there, I don't know, a year. And I'm looking at like the, t- right. you have a, you have a tab that says team. And I go down and I don't even see you. I had to like scroll to the left and you had the most, uh, humble CEO founder descriptor. And it oh. was more about your team. Yeah. And, I knew more about them than I could find out about you. And so I guess to me, that's the hallmark of a really good company is when you can almost step aside and the company keeps growing and thriving. And how long did it take you to build that type of mindset in your organization? Oh, I think I I probably started that in the 15 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because people think that my catering director, Jody, they think she owns the company. (laughs) <laughs> because you know and that's that's fine you know but they a lot of times they say well jody you the owner no i'm not the owner and so you know what it's another thing too for when you're eventually one day everybody wants to scale and sell mm-hmm. well you can, it's a very difficult if you do that if your name's all over it and mm-hmm. they think you're the only one that that's in charge of that company so i i kind of built that also about 15 years 15 years ago yeah i mean jeff uh, bezos Jeff Bezos with Amazon just stepped down as the CEO. And I don't think, you know, 10 years from now, there's going to be people that don't even know who Jeff Bezos is, to be honest. You know, younger folks that are just buying Amazon. And because he's built this monstrosity, it's Amazon. It's not... You don't want your company to be completely, uh, you know, reliant on the founder. So that's that's really interesting. Wrong. It's bad if it is. Yeah, I have a question yeah, for you. So it's you, bad, it's bad. you, you, you've gone through a lot of difficult times. You had the 08 recession. You had the egg recall. We had COVID. I want to talk about that here in a minute. But did you ever feel, as a female entrepreneur, that you had a glass ceiling over your head? No, and I do a lot of speaking at um, uh, restaurant. Um, shows I'm and also I'm on women's council uh for food and we, a lot of times we had a, a a panel and I can remember this happened like three years in a row that they would go one of the questions was you know how did the glass ceiling affect you and there's five CEOs up there from different companies I'm one of them all four said it affected me this way and I would be always be the one that would go well no, I never felt like it affected me. And I didn't. And I think it's because I was self-employed 
and it, the sky's the limit. Who's above me? I mean, there there is no, mm-hmm. you know, there was no glass ceiling. I think probably a couple times I've got, I didn't get uh, large events because maybe I was female, but that's okay. You know, but I, I never felt like there was a, a glass ceiling at all. And so, there is not. So there was never me. a time where you went to the bank to get money for maybe you needed to open oh. up a new shop and they were like, no, you know, kind of gave you the shrug the shoulders and say, sorry, we can't help you. Never did they ever loan me money. <laughs> oh, really? Ever, never. <laughs> <laughs> Even when profitable, ever, never. Really? No. And so I know you didn't probably know that. Uh-uh. <laughs> so we bootstrapped this whole thing. Your dad and I. Wow. I did not know that. Here we are. <laughs> that is interesting. Yes. No, I got turned down every time. Huh. For money every single time. <laughs> and they probably are regretting that time. now. Well, I don't know. I haven't given them the chance. And so, <laughs> asking, you know, that so, is interesting. But I, but I got turned down every, every single time. That is really interesting. <laughs> so you've, Mm-hmm. you've dealt with a lot of people in very stressful situations. Um, you know, their wedding, yes. their party, a funeral. Have you had any like funny or interesting things that have happened at some of these yeah. events? Yes. Uh, but let's start with one thing. Okay. I have a son. I've always said this. Don't panic. Punt. And it's right now it's in, it's in our little, uh, one of the little offices at one of our commissary kitchens. It's a whole 10 foot wall. Don't panic hunt. I've said that forever. I don't know where it started except for the fact that as a, as a caterer and even as someone in the food service, and I know that some people are listening to you or, or, you know, they're not in food service, but they be another kind of service business. And it's like, if the client is coming through the door at seven o'clock and your beef tenderloin fell in the mud, you can <laughs> scream all you want, but you had better have some food there and a beef at seven o'clock when they walk through the door because they're coming anyway. Right. So, uh, so, and, and I've had times where I was on the top of a beautiful restaurant. I mean, beautiful building downtown Dallas, 400 people coming. And we realized 40 minutes before that we'd failed to order forks. Now that is a kind of a, you know, <laughs> uh, heart beating situation. And so on a Saturday, how do you get forks, you know, for that many people? Anyway, you have connections, you get them. They arrived, not when the guests did, but the guests never knew. But, you know, we could have, you know, we could pan it, but we just, you have to, you have to make it happen. You have to look like the swan on the lake that's smiling to the, to the customer and under, underneath you're paddling like hell. So, <laughs> so, you know, that in, it, it, and, it, and it's not just weddings. It's like companies where, you know, they're, open, they're having an open house. They want to impress someone. They're having a lunch for a board, whatever. You just got to make it cool as possible. So funny stories. Yes. 
I've had transformers blow up uh, right before an event started and someone's lawn caught on fire. <laughs> uh, and this woman was fine. We had it happen two times in a row. The other, the other person is you know, like shrieking and, and screaming. Uh, so you just have to remain calm. But two things happened that I think were hilarious was we had a new waiter and a lot of time, and, and I'm not at these events, Eric, I haven't been at an event in, I don't know how long I, I'll, show my face if I need to, you know, thank goodness. I don't have to do that anymore. Uh, but, uh, they told me about this. So we had a new waiter and wherever you have a new waiter, you want to put a new person on your staff when there's a large event. So they kind of follow someone else. You don't want to put them on a small event in someone's home because they don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And these people are paying primo for this wait staff. Well, they said that it was outside. I don't know what it was. It wasn't a wedding or anything because we don't do many weddings anymore thank goodness but uh so they were outside by a pool all of a sudden this waiter strips takes his shirt i mean there's hundred and something people there he strips pulls off his shirt takes off his pants and jumps into the pool because ants had gone up his leg and we're all we're in a not very good area and so he just he jumped in the pool but if you don't know what's going on you're like he lost his mind what's, what's wrong with this guy <laughs> and then another time, you know what sterno is, you know, yeah. the gel stuff that keeps food warm. The, it's blue and it's kind of like jello, soft jello. Well, somehow it flipped out. I don't know how it flipped out onto this waiter's zipper in male guy <laughs> in front of, <laughs> of the host. And he was, on fire. So uh, anyway, so yes. <laughs> so we've had funny things happen. I mean, I could go on and on, but uh, a lot of them have to do with fire for some reason. <laughs> I, I have a lot of fond memories so. growing up working catering events, um, you know, because we all helped and worked like I would load the truck or actually it was yeah. it started as the Ford LTD. I would load the LTD. Yes. <laughs> and then it moved to the minivan. <laughs> And, uh, and it was yes. just like loading and unloading at all these different events. And then, but we also got an opportunity because we would work these things to work like amazing events. Like I'll never forget Troy Aikman's wedding. And you're like, you can set up bar back. and you can, yeah. You're like, you have to stay in the background. Like you cannot go outside, but like you would like open the door and I would, this is like in the nineties. I'm like, there's Daryl Johnston and all these folks. <laughs> Fun, ironically, when I was working in the NFL, I was on, uh, it was pregame. Troy Aikman was calling the game. I was with the Texans. I walked out on the field. I was out there throwing the balls like, hey, Troy, my name's Eric Corum. Sandy Corum catered your your wedding. He's like, yeah, I remember her. I was like, yeah, I was like, I worked at the back in the kitchen. He thought that was really funny. But there was a lot of, you know, you know, you did what? Colin Powell presenting Margaret Thatcher with the Medal, Medal of Freedom? Yes. And right before that happened, the water main broke. It was in someone's backyard and the water main broke. And uh, and so you're like water was going everywhere. Yes. And we had to <laughs> suddenly get water there. Uh, and yes. Um, and Margaret Thatcher uh, was there. So that was interesting in having sec- not only Secret Service, but also uh, Scotland Yard. Um you know, we had to go through all that protocol. So that was interesting. And that's the one where I was staying. I was there and I, those I am there. And I was, 
watching from afar by a pool and I hadn't seen the night of the event. I didn't see any secret service or Scotland yard around, you know? And, and so somehow I backed up onto a step and started to fall backwards before I hit the step guys descended out of the trees, <laughs> just like grabbed me and I never hit the step. So, um, yeah. So <laughs> I did not know so that it's been, it, it, it's been fun. Wow. So you, you have some iconic items that have really kind of set you apart. And I think it's funny, two of them, chocolate chip cookies and chicken salad are two things that you literally could not make well. And for years, right. but those are two of your, are they, are they the top two sellers? So how did you yes, just decide the top like two sellers because Go ahead. Go ahead. I just decided I'm going to make it and make it. Yeah, I was just going to make it until I I could make it right. And so um, and so it's just like, again, persistence. And and um, because I knew women love chicken salad. Mm-hmm. Here's another thing. You need to know your demographic of whoever, whatever your business is. Mm-hmm. You need to know your demographic. My demographic for our food shops is 30 year old women to where whatever age, because you're they want homemade food for their family, but they don't have the time to cook or want to cook. Mm-hmm. And so I know my demographic. I knew the women loved um, chicken salad. So we make one that didn't have a lot of mayonnaise and all that kind stuff one of eric's favorites and uh and then chocolate chip cookie dough you know we've we've hand scooped 10 10 million cookie dough balls and that's how we have expanded into selling for central market which is a high-end gourmet um food um company in texas i know it's just texas but uh but so i expanded on those things knowing what people liked Mm -hmm. you know where did the inspiration for freaking awesome come from? I was at <coughs> your brother's in-laws house. Okay. For a, uh, if, yeah. And a lady brought a thing called tequila trash, which was <laughs> a strange name. And, uh, I don't like trash uh, snacks. They're called, but anyway, this one was, was interesting, but I took it totally modified the thing, probably changed the whole, I know I changed the whole thing. And, and then, um, it's a great snack, as you know, it's gluten-free. Uh, it's, uh, and, and I, I didn't, I thought, man, this is really good. After I made about the 10th time and got the recipe right. And someone said, what do you, what, what do you, what's the name of it? And I said, I don't know. It's freaking awesome. And so then I we started calling it that. And I thought, there's no way it's, I'm sure it's, there's, there's a trademark for it. And there was no trademark. Huh. So I got to, I trademarked. It's freaking awesome. So uh, that's one of that. Yeah. As you know, that's one of our top selling uh, snacks that we have. And you've been so gracious to send it to every podcast uh, guest that we've had. And it's always a hit. You know, they get this in the mail and they're like, what is this? And then they open it up and it's, you know, I have a little card, you know, and uh, so I got to have something different for you. Um, But that is, you know, it's so to me, it's so interesting is like you started cooking brownies. Then you you know, you had this company that wasn't really profitable, um, but you just kind of kept at it. You moved to catering, you're doing all these events, you have a pivot, you start having multiple verticals. 
And it's like, you just keep, you keep innovating and keep innovating and keep innovating. Like where did, where do you get the drive to keep doing this and keep innovating and keep coming up with new solutions? Cause I, I'm just creative and I'm like, I'm like, to me, I get, people don't get bored with our food, but I get bored seeing it. So I'm like, mm-hmm. even though I don't eat it a, a lot, I, I, I get bored with it. So now, right. You know, and I pay attention to what's going on in the food world right now. I know e-commerce is a thing that is huge. And so we are, we are like, e-commerce is going, is not going anywhere folks mm-hmm. with food, nothing. It is only going to expand. And so that's what we're really working on right now is to blow up our e-commerce. I, didn't start it until like last November. I thought, I wonder if we really have a market for it in a short little test. Uh, I had a, I just threw, didn't spend a lot of money on it, threw up a website and, and uh, just for the last six weeks of the year, there definitely is a market. Mm. And so now we're getting a new website done right now, but um, e-commerce is where, is where it's at. Mm. And um, so thank God I had, you know, that's one of the things I had during COVID. Yeah. Speaking of COVID, again, a lot of food places shut their doors, restaurants. Mm -hmm. But, you know, your company didn't fold. As a matter of fact, you guys kept moving forward and did well. What do you attribute that to? The multiple revenue streams. Um, Mm -hmm. Catering was decimated across the United States. One day you have all these events, the next day nothing. But we had um, uh, catering that was not traditional, so private, social, corporate. We had the niche, niche, niche catering like the football, but we also we have a large <clears throat> we have a large contract for funerals. Mm-hmm. So I like to say we do frozen to football to funerals. So so we uh, immediately knew that our food shops were going to take off because people were at home. They mm-hmm. still don't want to cook. And so uh, we were really blessed uh, and uh, usually catering is half of our, our business and we didn't have any of it, <laughs> but we were able to uh, grow the other revenue streams we had and we um, and the other revenue streams took over almost almost the entire amount that we lost mm. in catering. And it's because we had those multiple revenue streams in place. Mm. And so that's what I tell everybody, no matter if you're a restaurant owner, no matter if you're somebody that's in IT, no matter whatever you are, you've got to have more than one one stream of revenue because you never know when you're going to be hit by a truck. And this was a tsunami. Yeah. <laughs> COVID was <laughs> not a truck. No, nah, I mean, that's it's a, I know you said that for years and it's just kind of proven true again. And I know you have friends and colleagues that have really suffered and uh, you've, you've tried to, you know, you've been preaching this message for a very long time and uh, it's great. I mean, I know for Mm -hmm. you, you were concerned a lot about your employees and making sure people were taken care of. And I'm sure as a, as a business owner, that's got 47 people working for her that, it was also very gratifying to keep them employed and to keep them moving forward. I know something else that you did during this time is that you use those storefronts. I believe early on people didn't want to go to the grocery store, right? They were scared. And so you said, Hey, because we have access to uh, wholesale or whatever it is, direct to, you can get produce, we can get you all your basics. So you were kind of giving people two for one services just as a way to help out. Weren't you doing that? Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
and it ended up they 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 did that for a while. It mm-hmm. what you know that they would buy chicken or butter or whatever from us. Uh, but then after that, that just had a short time frame. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yes, we did that. We gave them anything and everything they wanted. We just except for toilet paper. We didn't go down the paper route. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but anything food that they wanted, we would deliver. They could pick up. We did curbside. We were in curbside, flipped in twenty four hours and did curbside. So we were we you know. I got handed to the staff. They really, uh, we just made it happen. You, you do know? have an amazing so, team. Uh, we were very, very. Important. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I, I know Can a lot I of them about coaching. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I'm sorry, Eric. Uh, you know what? I, 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 I think that we, any of your members that don't have, and I don't like the word mastermind, but yeah. anyway, that don't have a coach or don't have a group of fellow entrepreneurs that they, they're really missing out. Mm. That changed my world about uh, 12 years ago or 14 years ago, something like that. I joined a group of restaurant owners. I was even a restaurant owner mm-hmm. and we share everything. I'm talking about uh, it doesn't go out of that circle. But we share everything as far as sales, as far as uh, our issues, how we, you know, and help each other. And I think coaching and all that is just huge and people need to take advantage of it. I look at it like it's a brain trust. Why not tap into the brain trust? You know? Wow. I know that was a big deal apart as far as you learning how to use systems uh, a number of years ago. And that's when you really became super profitable is when you learned how to apply these systems. And that came from uh, a coach that you have, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, David Scott Peters. Yep. And uh, and uh, then Fred Langley and both and all of them. Let me just tell you this little this group of restaurant owners. There's one, especially up in Chicago. And if, when I tell you this, people are going to go, you really do all that? I mean, we know how much each person makes. Mm-hmm. We know what their profit is. Uh, we, and, and some people are like, you tell people that, well, yeah, how are you going to grow if you don't Mm -hmm. know, you know? And so this one restaurant and they're also a caterer up in Chicago every year, we always meet in January and every year we would go, okay, what were your sales? And we're very close. We'd write down what our sales were. Okay. Well, Mark, you, you guys beat me out a little bit this past year. Y'all had more gross sales. And then we would do this is we would say, what were your net sales? Cause that's really the most important yeah. thing. And we would both write in our net sales and on the count of three, we would text each other <laughs> what our net sales were. And it became a game and people loved it because, uh, because it was like, it made you want to go, I want to beat him next year. And he'd be <laughs> like, he did it again. He beat. Know what I'm saying? And so it's all it's only a way to challenge yourself in in and to learn, you mm. know. So I, I love uh groups that are you know, and you just gotta keep everything confidential. But coaches, mastermind groups, brain trust, whatever you want to call them, I mean, do it. Join mm. one, you know. That's a great piece of advice. Well, every episode I ask a couple questions. Okay, and this is a podcast about hmm. the journey of high performance. And, uh, you know, through, I call it through the struggles and triumphs of the most interesting people in the world, including yourself. So what does it mean to be a high performer for you in your industry, whatever you're doing, what does it mean to be a high performer? In my industry to be a high performer 
needs means that you are being profitable mm. because there's a huge area in uh, in restaurants and the food industry where they don't even know what their net profit should be. I can speak to a group of 200, 300 people and say, what is the national average of what a food service company should net every year? Guaranteed only out of you have 100 people there, one person may raise their hand. Mm. That's sad. Mm. And so I always tell them, shame on you. <laughs> I mean, you're putting your business and your employees at risk because you don't even know what your goal is. Mm. So a high performer to me in, in, in my industry would be someone who is profitable mm. instead of just working your butt off and not having any, you know, profit. Wow. That is really interesting. I love how you said shame on you. you were expecting that. I, I, I was thinking I, I wasn't having a little PTSD there. Like you're not telling me shame on me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, no. No, what no. I you you're a constant learner. You're always growing. You're always changing. What do you what are you doing right now to help you grow and learn? Are there books that you're reading? Is there like new habits you're trying to adopt? Do you listen to podcasts? Like what is it that you're learning right now that like you're excited about? Well, like I said, it's e-commerce. I'm I'm studying everything I can and learning it mm. um, because, and also I'm studying and learning more about employees, mm. about how do you find employees right now because it's awful out there uh, in getting employees. And so, one of the things that we've also done is I've learned to test employees before they even have a Zoom call or anything. I test them with an email because if we want someone detailed to be cooking exit food, um, I have my GM say in the, in the ad, copy and paste your resume into the email. Do not attach. 99% of them will attach. Mm. Mm, don't want you. So I'm studying all the time on how that, but then, then also what else is there out there that I can do with the resources I have, with the food that I have, that I can expand my company. Mm. Um, and so we're right now we're expanding even in a couple of wholesale accounts to uh, doing baked things, which I never thought we would do. So I'm always looking for the cutting edge thing to to make festive kitchen there. I love it. Um, the whole idea of 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 hiring better is something that I've been working on for the past two years. We haven't even talked about this. Uh, I have now a whole Mm-mm. way of stressing people before. And during interviews, and it's ever since I implemented this, it's resulted in us hiring really, really good folks. Like we just hired a full stack engineer. Now you have to like you actually can meet people. I've hired a team of people I've never met. And so what we've done is, is we've created ways to stress them and put them under pressure because you don't want to know how they perform Mm -hmm. under pressure when the moment actually happens. And so we'll have to talk about this later, but it's something I've implemented in the recent, the guy that we just hired as a full stack engineer when it was over with, and it was like a week and a half, like he had to do co-coding reviews and tests and all this kind of stuff. When he got hired, not only did he feel like I earned my way in, but he actually wanted to be a part of the group because he was like, I made it. And I appreciate the vetting process that you put me through because now I feel like I'm the person for the job. So it does two things. One, it 
it pulls up any red flags. And then two, they feel like they've earned something and that, that they're part of something special. So I think that's really cool. You mentioned e-commerce. How can people find you? How can they buy your delicious products? Oh, uh, at shop.festivekitchen.com. Shop.festivekitchen.com. And so we have on there some of our most requested items from our food shops. And so just go there and and uh, and order it. We'll get it to you. Yeah. So thanks for asking that. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So if you're listening to this and you have not had the greatest chocolate chip cookie or chicken salad or freaking awesome before you definitely need to order that. Well, mom, thank you so much for joining me on this special mother's day episode. This was really cool. I learned some stuff today that I did not know. Um, and I'm going to have to pick your brain some more. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Eric. Thanks. If today's podcast enriched your life in any way, please support The Blueprint by doing one of the following. If you're listening on an audio platform like Apple or Spotify, please subscribe. If you're listening on Apple, would you please leave us a five-star review and give us some feedback? Your feedback is tremendously valuable. Finally, if you watch us on YouTube, uh, subscribe and leave us some feedback. We'd love to know how to improve the show and which topics you're loving. But until next time, this is Eric Korm. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.